0: Living on Earth relies on listeners like you to keep producing award winning journalism for the planet. Please make your contribution today at loe.org. It's Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. Mercury, or quicksilver, is one of the strangest heavy metals. It's a shiny liquid at room temperature, and ancient alchemists were intrigued by its ability to dissolve other metals, including gold and silver, but not iron. But the ancients didn't understand how toxic mercury is, especially to the brain and kidneys. And even fairly recently, it was widely used in medicine, including thermometers, dental fillings, and vaccines. It's also abundant in coal. And with coal-burning power plants on the rise, along with mercury-based gold mining, there are now dangerous levels of mercury pollution worldwide. That's according to David Evers, executive director of the Biodiversity Research Institute, who spoke to us from Geneva. Mr. Evers and his colleagues recently tested mercury levels around the world and produced a report called Global Mercury Hotspots.
1: We found mercury to be very ubiquitous in the environment. We found it in marine ecosystems and freshwater ecosystems. We found it elevated levels in the Northern Hemisphere as well as the Southern Hemisphere. So that was the interesting finding from this, is that wherever we looked, we found mercury to be quite elevated. Some of the places that we found especially elevated are in Eastern Asia, in India and in China, in particular, as well as Europe in the Mediterranean Sea and parts of South America. What's
0: the source of all this mercury in the environment worldwide?
1: I think there's two categories. 32% of the emissions are from small scale gold mining. So that's the use of mercury to amalgamate with gold while you're in the field and to burn that mercury off so you have gold left on the bottom of your pan, that burning of that mercury and release into the air by 20 or more million people is what's really adding to that mercury emissions uh, into the global pool. And the second piece is the coal-fired power plant. So the burning of coal, in some ways, you're burning in an instant, potentially thousands of years of mercury that's been deposited in that piece of coal by nature. So those are the two sources of mercury that are probably most problematic at a global level. In the U.S., of course, there are
0: not a whole lot of people practicing small-scale gold mining. So is it safe to say that most of our exposure here in the U.S. to mercury is coming from fish? And could you please then explain that mechanism of exposure?
1: Sure. The exposure for an average person in the U.S. is primarily through uh, methylmercury and fish, It's the larger organisms that live long, that are on the top of that food web, that are most problematic. And a lot of times you'll see in the newspaper or wherever, you'll hear about tuna and swordfish, and it's very true. Those are species that are long-lived and um, are on top of that food web that carry enough methylmercury in their bodies. And if we eat them regularly, then that can increase the mercury levels in our own bodies to troublesome levels.
0: So, if someone's concerned about uh, fish that has mercury in it, what should one do? Uh, Is there a difference between wild-caught and farm-raised, a difference between the ocean and freshwater?
1: First of all, fish is a a very good resource for us to use, and we have to be smart about our choices and our picks. Generally, farm-raised fish are lower mercury than wild fish and some fish have higher mercury levels in their bodies, but they may have very good omega-3 fatty acid levels in their body. So sometimes there could be trade-offs in choosing which fish you want. If you want to eat fish low in mercury and high in omega-3, salmon and um, herring are very good for you. And what about freshwater versus the ocean? Both sort of ecosystems, marine and freshwater, have the ability to methylate mercury and get up in the food web where it can cause some, some harm to us. And if we look at species of fish that we commonly eat in the Great Lakes region, for example, such as pike or walleye or bass, those are fish species that can commonly get over one part per million, which is is fairly high.
0: You look closely at 14 different countries for mercury exposure. What was the percentage of people that had uh, concerning levels of mercury that you found in their hair?
1: In those 14 countries that we examined, we found that uh, 84% of the mercury in uh, fish were over our threshold level that we used of uh, 0.22 parts per million. That's equivalent to one six ounce fish meal per month. And we also found in the hair samples of people uh, around the world in these 14 countries, that 82% of the hair samples exceeded the EPA's reference dose of one part per million.
0: Now, last year in 2012, uh, that is, the U.S. EPA promulgated the mercury and air toxic standards, which will remove 90% of mercury from coal-fired power plants in the U.S. uh, over the next couple of years. So we're making good progress in this country, but China and India is pretty busy with coal-fired power plants. How freely does mercury travel around the world, and what kind of emissions of mercury are we headed for if these uh, new power plants in Asia continue to grow?
1: The U.S. has really pulled together, I think, a very good rule, and I think that will uh, be successful in removing 90% or more of mercury from the emissions from coal-fired power plants, and I think that can be done quite quickly. Probably a bigger looming problem is the mercury that's getting up into the upper atmosphere, into that global pool, and some of the key sources for that mercury in the global pool are China and India and coal-fired power plants. And so once that mercury is up into that global pool, it does move over across the Northern Hemisphere in North America, and it does deposit in North America. How much that will impact the U.S. and Canada is still something that a lot of modelers are looking at, and a lot of people are trying to better understand. But I'll mention that a, a study that I had in the Great Lakes, we found that there was an uptick in the last decade of mercury in different species of fish and birds, and other organisms. So I think it is something that we need to keep in our mind that even though we do clean up our backyard, there is more work to be done.
0: David Evers is Executive Director of the Biodiversity Research Institute. Thanks so much for speaking to us from Geneva.
1: You betcha, Steve. Thanks for having us. on show. Thank you.